Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast for adults. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. This is our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com Cassie will introduce today's guest. On today's cast, we speak with Kitty St. Valentine, an author and poly practitioner. She has a new thought on the philosophy behind polyamory. Have you noticed that as Americans, we love everything? I love my lunch, I love my friend, I love my spouse. But it's not the same love. In English we have only one word. Love. Kitty will give you her view on this important word. Here's your host Woody. Thanks Max and Cassie for the wonderful introduction. And our guest this week is a return guest, Kitty St. Valentine. How are you today? I'm doing lovely. Thank you so much. Kitty, you're up in the great north somewhere, aren't you? Outside of Chicago. Ah, yes. And this is a wonderful time of year. Kitty, first off, you're an author, and you have some wonderful books out there. Yes, so I have, under the pen name Madeline York, I have the first of the Bound Kitten series, Awakened. And I'm looking to release the other two shortly. That sounds exciting. I also have my blog, scratchthekitty.com. Okay. You've got lots of things going on. And the reason that we're uh, talking today is you did a writing on FET here uh, not too long ago. And the subject was polyamory. And we have beaten polyamory to death on the cast here a number of times. But we're jumping off the the normal bandwagon, and we're going to talk about some of the philosophy behind it. So if you would introduce how your writing went, uh, we'd take it from there. Sure. I'd like to first mention I am in a polyamorous relationship. Uh, It's been a little over a decade now. And I absolutely do relate and define polyamory, polyamory as a relationship structure. But I also got really curious about the idea of polyamory as a philosophy and a way of viewing the world on a more open and general manner. I guess it felt natural to me even before I started dating, even before I connected or used the word poly to describe myself in any way. I always like the idea of being able to just freely connect to people and get to know them, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I started seeing a couple of ways of viewing that. I don't know if you're familiar with Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, yes. He brought up the concept in one of his books about something called a dupross. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the word it is made up, but it was about the idea of two people utterly and wholly connecting to each other and only to each other. So do you follow that? Yeah. It seemed like a beautiful thing for them. They were definitely portrayed as being very healthy, very sweet. This was in no way that they were better than other people. They just got each other in a way and it was just them. But that never felt like me. That wasn't what I didn't want my Prince Charming. I wanted to just meet as many people as possible. And that kind of got me down that road of of understanding polyamory before 
again, I even knew what polyamory was as the possibility of it being more than just a romantic love, but all the different kinds of love. English and other languages too can be a little bit limiting in how we describe and how we say it. It's just one word love and we use it for everything, right? Oh, I love this food. Exactly. But when you say I love this food, it's not the same when you say I love my wife. Definitely it, not the same. Unless it's a really good like dessert or something. I don't know. But yeah, she may be in a little jeopardy there if that's the case. Exactly. These things happen. But the love we say when we say I love my child, I love my wife, I love my girlfriend, I love my boyfriend, I love my friend. There's so many kinds of love and I think that they all deserve to be legitimate and valid in their own right, to have respect in their own right. And when you start thinking of polyamory as its simplest definition of many loves, it can be a cool lens to view everything. So when I come across or when I'm trying to describe certain aspects of polyamory, for example, there's a lot of talk, you know, polyamory and communication, right? Or polyamory and jealousy being more parallel poly versus kitchen table. And all of the, those lessons and things can just be something that really benefits us all. And I like that. I like that sometimes I think it's okay to disconnect the amory from polyamory. And that's the name of the book I wrote with when you're polyamorous without the amor and just thinking about everything that's not romance. I hear where you're going on that. And there's been a lot of debates on when we say poly, it's poly. And yes, it's many. And in this case, it's many of all kinds of different things, whether it's people, places, things, whatever. When you narrow down polyamory to actual romantic love, you then cut out a lot of these extra things you love, the brotherly sister love, the parental love, all that sort of stuff, and narrows it at that point. It's legitimate, but it just makes it a totally different discussion. And I like pulling out all the good and the best part that I've gotten from living this lifestyle that are not something that's necessarily just the sole domain of polyamorous people. <laughs> but parts of it that are just something for everyone. Earlier, and, you mentioned in the English language, we have the word love, but in, in the Latin languages, there's quite a number of different words for love. Yes. So you have, you have eros, right? But you have philia, which is affectionate love. You have agape, that universal love. Ludus, playful love. Pragma, enduring love. Philosia, self-love. Uh, mania, obsessive love. And all of these loves are... I think a part of us and of all our connections. And it seems that resonated with at least a small portion of the population. And I think maybe more than, I thought it was really interesting. Part of what provoked this thought in me was, and I'm going to quote her, this woman, Lucy Van Pelt, 71, they wrote a piece on polyamory. I stumbled across it. And they mentioned that every definition I or they looked up on the internet books said multiple romantic relationships. Every poly person I spoke with did not use the word romantic. They used emotional, intimate, affectionate, loving, but not one of them used romantic. And while I'm sure you'll find plenty of people in polyamorous relationships who do use the word romantic, I thought it was interesting that, she's, that they spent so much time going into this and found an experience very similar to how I felt and how I generally lived my life, where my relationships were, for the most part, either not romantic or not necessarily traditionally 
romantic with flowers and big anniversaries and rings and engagements. And it was, and the words that they mentioned, emotional, intimate, affectionate, loving, are words that I use to describe myself and my relationships. It's interesting because I am a poly person and I have three loves active. Yes. And I do think of them as romantic love, also emotional and all those other things, but definitely romantic. Yes. I currently have one relationship that I consider romantic and a few others that are a little more ambiguous, more romantic than platonic, probably. There's degrees of everything. Exactly, degrees. But most of my connections are what I would describe as intimate friendships, where they've gone, I've crossed beyond acquaintance with them. I've crossed beyond that formal relationship that you have with, say, a coworker or someone you like meet at the bar to that next level. And I guess it's in that little next level that I like to live and I like to think of normalizing that, where relationships just become relationships. And some of them are more involved and more attached, but it got me thinking about this like whole other world that we could exist in, theoretically, where if, let's say, you had only one partner and I had four, it would just be a matter of preferences or where we were in life. Similar to how if someone has one child, if someone else has three, you don't think of the person with three children as being radically different. Yes, there are different challenges. There's different logistics to getting through your day, but you don't look at that one parent and say they're a different kind of parent. Because they're a three-person instead of a one-person parent. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you wouldn't divide them. Yeah. It would just be like, okay, you have one kid and the other person has three, or they have two. So let me ask you the question. So if you have one child and they get 100% of the love, if you have three children, do they get 33% of the love? Hopefully not. I would certainly hope not. And so that just proves the point is I love them all equally more and more than 33%. Yeah. You have, and I would like polyamory to be seen a little bit more towards that way of understanding that it's not so radically strange or weird, but just a little different preferences of how you want to build your own life. And I guess that's where I'd like this to end up eventually when I speak or when I, as I continue to share my ideas through my writings, I kind of want to keep up that core thread where polyamory feels just normal and natural and someone liking chocolate instead of vanilla or strawberry sprinkles. And if you happen to like vanilla, there's nothing wrong with that. Vanilla is an awesome flavor. I really like it actually. And they all just, all these different structures coexist within the overall philosophy of love as you will. And it just feels like a really nice way of existing with each other. Yeah. It was just some thoughts in my head. I, I threw them down and people seemed to respond. The philosophy of polyamorous relationships, we don't necessarily get that deep into the nuts and bolts of the philosophy. We're just out having the moment. But when you stop and think about it, I've got a female friend that I've had for over 40 years we are not romantically involved. However, I love her dearly as a sister. She's not my blood sister, but I treat her like my sister. Very much. And I'm sure in your relationship with her, and I'm going to refer to it as a relationship, even if it's not romantic, and your romantic partners and your family, your friends, you probably have to deal with a lot of the same little issues and things that stumble... <sighs> 
that, that come up where maybe you have something important you want to do with your romantic partner, but you also, she has a graduation on the same night that you want to go to a concert. And you still have to learn how to manage those two relationships. It's the old time envy thing. So, it's assigning, yes, I'd love to go to the concert with you tonight. However, my good friend of X many decades has got some important event that I am obligated to. Exactly. And maybe it turns out that the maybe it is like a once in a lifetime thing where you're, I have to go. To this, she's graduating from with her PhD. And this is like a huge thing. You, you yeah. can't. And there's always maybe another concert that you go to. Exactly. But those are important things to balance. And whether or not you are polyamorous or in a polyamorous relationship, you would still have to think about that. And you would still have to learn these skills. There has to be some empathies between the various partners also. Understanding the relationship where they are in the family and that they do have importance. Yeah. So I think the more universally we think about some of the most positive things from understanding and living a polyamorous lifestyle, I think if we expand that into just a whole way of thinking, I think just that could just be really like awesome for so many people, regardless of whether they have one romantic relationship or none or 20. How true indeed. Hopefully this kind of thinking can help someone. You got a lot of comments on this writing. Yeah, very thoughtful ones actually. Yes, some people wrote whole paragraphs and what have you. What's your take from that? Some of them, I think, were just general support, which is just really nice to hear. It, it makes me feel seen and it makes me feel like what I'm saying isn't just true for myself. And that makes me feel better. But some of them were actually incredibly detailed. I think it made people think about just love, just the concept and what they mean by it and what it means to them. And they liked, they seem to really positively respond to the idea of, of valuing all kinds of love versus only one. And again, while it's important and valuable in its own unique connection, I think people liked knowing that whatever kind of loves were important to them could be seen as important too. And I think that it's important to people to feel like their loves are seen, even if they're not what's shown in pop culture or media all the time. My romantic relationships and my platonic relationships, they all know each other. They know of each other. And they're always asking about, say, hi, how are you doing? That sort of thing. And so I have a flat playing field as far as everybody knowing where they fit in. And so if I did have to get up and go to one of my sisterly loves for some reason, I would have a 100% support for it. And my relationships are extremely open and understanding between all the players. A lot of people aren't. They compartmentalize relationships. And also there's a lot of people that when they end a relationship, they burn the bridge to the ground and they never go there again. I could yeah. never do that. I, I'm very supportive of my ex-relationships. Yeah, it's not so much my thing either. For me, relationships and connections are very fluid and changing and they turn into what they need to be at the time for the other person and myself. Perhaps part of the reason why I like the idea of philosophy is because it suits my particular way of living, but I also hope that it can be flexible enough to support anyone's way of thinking in life. 
that's the idea. I think that's a good, solid thing to do. Just to make the world a little bit more harmonious and a little more peaceful and a little more understanding and empathetic. And let's turn off the judgmental factor. Yes, you may have another person that you're involved with, and I didn't didn't say romantically, I just said involved with. And people have to understand that a new person coming along that you've got a hot and heavy relationship, romantic relationship going with, they need to understand some of that past that goes, you're not trying to cut them out. You're trying to make everything harmonious and work together. Yeah, it's not about making them feel less important. It's not about even eliminating romance, but just about elevating other loves as well, really, so that they are all important or as important as, as they need to be to the individual. But it's generally seen as valid and real. Let's say tomorrow you went out and met someone and you had a great chemistry with them and you're you're doing the discovery discussions and all that sort of stuff. And then they mentioned that every time they had a ex, they hated them, they blocked them, they did all these sort of things. I don't know that I'd want to be involved with that person. It's certainly a legitimate reason to want to hesitate to further that connection. Like me personally, I would probably slow it down. I don't necessarily know, because I'm a more fluid. Someone mentioned relationship art anarchy, and I'm a bit of a relationship anarchist, although I do not think it's the same thing as polyamory as a philosophy. I think those are two separate concepts, but yeah, it's hard to compartmentalize away from you, right? Because it could easily be you next. And that's okay to keep that as a consideration. A couple shows back, we had Mindy K. Kidd on, and she opened the subject of relationship anarchy. And that was actually the first time I had heard about it, and she went into some depth on it, and then there turned us on to some podcasts and things about it. And, and when you think about it, especially some of the younger people, they're a lot more into the relationship anarchy and getting what they need out of life and than certainly society preaches to us. Yes, but there's so many things. There's so much out there now. And I think that's good. My understanding, though, is relationship anarchy is still primarily focused on r- romantic relationships, like how you go about them, that people are, there's less and less of a default way of having to do something. So relationship anarchy may go, not go away, but it may become so normalized that we don't even think of it as a concept. It's just how everyone does it. Like, of course, I would create my own relationship structure. Why wouldn't I? Exactly. The same way that everyone creates their own friendships, because why would, like, who, can you imagine if you made a new friend and they tried to tell you you could only have a friendship in a certain way or a certain structure? Like, that would never happen. Yeah. Let me take a step back on that one. Yeah. And so it's understanding what's good and healthy for both. I say both. I meant all parts of the moving machine here. There's always connected to two people, right? There's always a dyad somewhere involved. Yes. And yeah, I talk to people that have 24-7 DS relationships and I go, how's that working for you? Do you ever have to bottom to the kids or your boss or those other things? Oh, but that's not the same. Actually, it is. And so when you get into relationships and you talk about how many moving parts there are to it, there's other people involved. Transparency has been my watchword for a long time to make sure that everybody is on the same page. Because in the past, I wasn't always transparent and I had a mess at times. We all go through our learning growth. Yes, yes, yes. But on the same token, I was a product of society where it was monogamy with cheating. So many people I know cheat, but they're monogamous. It was outwardly monogamous and behind the scenes, do whatever you can get away with. And to me, that's hypocritical. It's not great. Yeah. (laughs) And I hope as we start 
again, become more comfortable in our different relationships, like yours with your very close friend, and that we do move away from from doing what other people expect us to do and just becoming more open to what we want. Even if you don't have to be in an open relationship to be open-minded. I mean, the more open-minded we get, I think the, the less we will struggle with some of those old habits of doing one thing publicly and another thing like unethically. Let's take this one step further. You're up in Chicago area. Yes. And dare I say, a liberal major metropolitan area. I'm actually on a suburb, so there's some, it depends on which suburb you're in. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm down here in Nashville, Tennessee, in the South, where conservative values are pushed, church values are pushed. And so the overtone of monogamy is really heavily pushed. I was born and raised in San Francisco, where everything was a lot looser, a lot more liberal. And yeah. so I see geographic differences in the way relationships work also. Well, take this. So in your community, what if, now if you were to simply kind of flip it over and have everyone become called polyamorous, that would be probably a disaster, right? Yes. If you tried to just force everyone just to accept polyamory and become polyamorous. But big Even sign if, out in the front yard that says, we are polyamorous. Yeah. Even if, less theoretically, I'm going to make up numbers because it doesn't really matter for here. But let's say 90% of the people in your area were actually polyamorous. If they had their own choice, if they knew what they wanted, they would choose that freely. That could be a lot all at once to say, here's this new way of thinking. Here's if I was to give them all the polyamorous resources and the books and things, it'd be a lot. But how do you think they, your friends, your neighbors would react to polyamory as a philosophy if you just said to talk to them about the idea of they said oh like um and you said oh i'm single and you said well yes you're technically single but you have these three best friends since grade school that you are that you hang you meet up with every sunday isn't that just as much a relationship as anything else i was there that's still a relationship. And to get them to think of, to just rethink their life and their connections, just to have a different way of viewing it, not changing, right? Not becoming anything different, just seeing their life through a different lens. Do you think that could help them understand polyamory by seeing, by just like understanding like their own life and the lives of people around them, instead of trying to get them to just com completely accept this whole new scary thing. Let's lay that out for a second. Okay. We have a lot of family gatherings here at the house. We have my, my poly family comes and goes. Mm -hmm. And so it looks a bit like a revolving door to the neighbors. <laughs> and so it, there's just a lot of people coming and going. They have not separated it down into my related family versus my chosen family. And they have not broken it down to where Oh, that woman comes over and spends the night or not. So they haven't broken it down to that level. It's just that, yeah, there's a lot of people coming and going. So they don't necessarily know that if this woman shows up that she's your lover versus your friend or your cousin. Right. Yeah. And they don't need to know either. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I feel like as we're trying to get people to accept, it would be kind of interesting thought exercise to just get them to like see a, a different way of looking at 
their close connections and their non-romantic loves. When I do that with some of my own friends, they start saying that they're not so different than I am, actually. And they're safe for me to come out to. And I do believe that the current younger generation is much more accepting of this than an older generation. Very true. Society's mores have just changed. And some people are holding on to the old ones and some people are adopting the new ones. And Absolutely. it's called evolution. And I hope as we evolve and we move forward that we do our best to be understanding of everyone's particular choices so long as they're not harmful to someone else. Look at pop culture. We've seen lots of TV shows that have featured BDSM snippets, relationship, multiple relationship snippets, that, those sorts of things. So general populace is exposed to it in some form. But I would say to, so. to think that their neighbor is a practicing this evil lifestyle. That's probably a jump they haven't come to yet, but yeah, you can't go on Netflix without going finding that how to build a sex room show. I love that it, show. That is so much I fun. Mean, it's actually like home makeovers, okay? That's where we're at now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Becoming more and more normal. I really hope that continues. Yeah, I'm reconfiguring the house for different play spaces here. So it's getting ideas from the uh, how to build a sex room. <laughs> yeah, kind of want her to come over to our place. Yeah, sounds like fun. Kitty, we have certainly gone down this road of poly and other things. Is there any closing comments you want to throw out there? I guess I would just like to leave by saying that I think it might be fun for anyone who stumbled across this podcast to do some thought experiments of their own, just to see how they might see their own life and their loves and their connections and their friendships in a way that might be more universally relatable and how they relate to others and how they live their lives and just see how, how they're different, but also how they're the same and how they can empathize and relate to each other as they keep on moving through their own lives. It's uh, food for thought. And someday we may change the paradigm of society, but in the meantime, we get to live within it. I think it's okay just to create our own little bubbles and, yeah. and make them the best we can for ourselves and others. That's exactly correct. Kitty, thank you so much for being on the show tonight and bringing this subject to us. We look forward to your new books that you have coming out, and I'm sure you're going to let us know when those come out. I will, thank you. We'll pass it along to our listeners. So, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Have a wonderful evening. You have been listening to The Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. Views expressed are not representative of the management of The Kinky Cast, and we welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max.